You have tuned in to the Gran Turismo's podcast. It is March 2nd, 2021. The current weather is fresh, frisky, and vociferous. Please allow me to introduce your hosts for this fine particular soul rotation. He is the handsomest GT Academy attendee, the illest of the chill, the fastest Achilles tendon healer this side of Tau City, the one and only Eddie Wardez Gomez, Wardizzy, the Wardizzlest, and your slab of marbled meat, he who hard roams the racing wild card, Tristan Roadweave Bayless. Tonight on Gran Turismo's, Gran Turismo 7 delayed, oh no! GT Sport updated to repair penalties and adjust global vehicle performance. Oh my. Formula One, chock full of rumor, speculation, anticipation. Oh yes. Fix yourself a GNT and settle in. Godspeed, GT bros. Godspeed, robot. Thank you so much for that amazing intro. We're back in 2021, hitting it with style. My co-host for the day, for the podcast, for life is... The wonderful road beef, aka Woo. Tristan. That's me. Woo hoo, whoop de woo. We're doing it again. How are you? Are. We're back. Back in business, hitting it hard. So much to cover, but I'm so excited to be here with you to cover it all, to uh, uncover it all, and to hopefully not get a restraining order for it all. <laughs> <laughs> You're not allowed within 20 yards of this topic. <laughs> Stave, close but not that close. I don't want to smell you. We're still adhering to COVID protocols. Um, but yeah, so happy to be here sharing the mic, sharing a uh, audio session with mm-hmm. my favorite I miss slab you. of beef. Um, you know? I, I miss you tons. I, I miss your face, and I, I miss us, you know, bringing the heat to people at exactly. live events. It's been a I few know. years. It has know, been. We're gonna we're gonna try and get back to that once uh, you know the world is vaccinated and this ridiculousness is over. But man, well, hey, I mean you know, we we can play with our Brazilian and South Southern American guys again. So that's all I needed to hear. Yes, we can. <laughs> it's like 2018 all over again. Yeah, that was a secret sauce that I needed. But yeah, what were yeah. you gonna say? Sorry to encroach. That's all good. You know, I'm just waxing poetic, uh, <laughs> or at least attempting to in my uh, feeble brains, uh, you know, smooth brained ways. Um, but just reminiscing of the the good times of past and how it feels like I've been, um, you know, quarantining at home for a decade. It's only been like a year, but it feels like five years. It feels like life, a lifetime. It certainly has. I mean, uh, although Australia still feels kind of not too long ago, but mm-hmm. it's just crazy to consider that it was just about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um so, but yeah, we've had our time off. I mean, there was some GT Sport here and there. There was some iRacing. There was some Jackbox Party Pack, which mm-hmm. is super fun. Hopefully, in the future, we can play with listeners, friends, and do things like that uh, in, in the future because that was super fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's fun off season filled with lots of you know downtime and uh, reflection. So. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you took part in the in the twenty four hours of Daytona and I racing, didn't you? Yeah, I did that. That was actually my first kind of hurrah back in sim racing of any kind because, uh, as we talked about or touched on in my uh, story that I had for you guys last episode, uh, I thought I had just an ankle sprain, but it ended up being a Achilles tendon rupture. Oof! And 
It wasn't too bad, but, you know, they suggested since I was young to get the surgery done, so I did, and then, mm-hmm. you know, that was November 13th, I got my surgery on, it was a Friday, mm-hmm. so, you know, that's how smart I am, <laughs> but it went and ended up being okay. Uh, surgery was great, surgeon was awesome, doing physical therapy three times a week religiously, uh, I see those people more than my family now, so <laughs> that's good. And yeah, so Daytona was January, late January, I think. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, that was only about a month and a half or so after my surgery. So yeah. I was excited, man. Yes. I was like, I tried it out. They asked me, uh, my team, Hypre, asked me if I could, if I wanted, well, first they asked me if there was anyone I knew that would want, that would want to do a ride in the 24 hours. I was like, hell, I don't know. Let me try out. Let me try it out real quick, see if I could do it. And I, I felt like I could. I felt confident, so mm-hmm. I hopped in, and it was a ton of fun. Our team was, like, in the 13th split or something like that in the LMP1. Um, but I was surprised because I was able to be really consistent with the braking. And in the LMP1, you needed to be very, very, you know, max braking force in the infield section was, like, 50%. Mm-hmm. Any, anything past that, you're braking, you know, you're locking up. So Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. I was happy. It seems that the, the technique of braking is maybe the most difficult aspect to acclimate to in iRacing. Yeah, sure is. Yeah, I mean, that was some of my experience, but in the 24 hours, uh, how was yours? It was um, quite an experience, my dude. Um, I was invited onto a team by Nick McMillan, Gumball CGT, the former GT Academy winner, of whom you're very familiar. Oh, yeah. Um, the Apex V2R team, and... Uh, I was going to be on the LMP2 team, but then um, because we had an abundance of entrants, um, they asked me kindly to go to the Porsche RSR, uh, which I was more than happy to do, as you uh, can guess, due to my affinity oh, yeah. to the car. Um, and it was great. You know, um, we had some incidents, and uh, I think we finished like ninth in our split. Um, but uh, I melded really well with the teammates and. Um, yeah. had some had some fun, dude. We uh, we I got that uh, "Give me the suck" meme going between <laughs> myself and like the guy who was spotting for me, um, and uh, we had it so much that I even made like a compilation video of it. It was a good time. Yeah, it, it was, I love that it was video. quite an experience. Yeah, suck referring to slipstream, not lollipops. <laughs> but. <laughs> Yeah, dude, that was fun watching tuning in, watching yours. Uh, if you haven't, if you haven't done so, or you're not aware, Road Beef, aka Tristan here, has been doing an awesome job on Twitch, running a stream Thank you, regularly, and so everyone should go check that out. And it's been really fun. I love the atmosphere that you create for the rooms or for your streams and for all the people in there that are super positive. It's just a great environment and. Thank you, dude. Yeah, definitely check that out. Appreciate it. And yeah, our uh, 24 was also just kind of ha- at the end. We ended up having like these weird server issues that ended, had, you know, ended up causing race-ending damage. But it was really fun. I put in some really good stints. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot to fuel because I was. It was me with three Europeans. So I was like taking the night shift, you know, for them. Mm-hmm. And uh guy came on and I was in the zone, you know, I was by myself and the guy woke up and was asking me how things were going. And we started talking and he started talking to me maybe like three laps before I was supposed to pit. And of course, I just, you know, 
lost focus on my fuel meter and mm-hmm. and ran out of fuel. That was pretty embarrassing, but you know, stuff happens. It happens. And it's- but we got through it, and it was a ton of fun. I love passing cars in that LMP2 in Daytona. It was just nonstop. It was so cool, man. Yeah. It was never boring. There was always someone to either pass or be passed by. I'm looking forward to more iRacing shenanigans in the near future. Stuff like Nürburgring should be fun. Sebring. Yep. All that good stuff. Lots of lots of things to look forward to. I mean, I kind of see iRacing as like a... And we talked about it before, but it's kind of like the endurance team racing simulator to me. Totally. But, uh-huh. uh, you know, once um, when Gran Turismo 7 comes out, it's going to have another well, round of strong competition, right? But we don't know when it's coming out because... Every time we say GT7, it delays it more. Right. So we're trying to keep the... Let's call it GT next, all right? <laughs> that way, hopefully the uh, whatever curse we've been inflicting on the series is... You know, hopefully it dies down a little bit. Uh, we got a little too... We got kind of optimistic there for a second, didn't we? Yeah. You know, we had the adverts um, and E3, and we were hoping it was going to be sometime this year. Um, and there was... Uh, we, uh, we, the world finalists from last year, had uh, an opportunity to talk with Kaz and Toyo and a few other people in Polyphony. And their hope was that Gran Turismo 7 was going to come out sometime this year. But uh, as they indicated in their press release, it's been delayed until next year at the soonest due to COVID-related delays, you know, which I can totally understand. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's certainly not uh, unbecoming of the Gran Turismo um, franchise to exactly. have a delay. And frankly, I'm okay with it. Um, and I just hope that they don't start allowing pre-orders of the game you know uh and put themselves in a bind of over promising not only to us but to their parent sony and be forced then to put out an unfinished game i i hope that they just delay it as much as they can or as much as they need to i should say uh before um until it's finished in a way that they're happy with um and knowing yeah. that you know kaz is the man at the helm and is the ultimate decision maker um and considering the incredible amount of success he's brought uh, just in terms of raw numbers to Sony for their flagship racing game, flagship PlayStation title, uh, I would anticipate with that knowledge that they will give him a lot of leeway and uh, basically allow him to write his own schedule. And um, when GT7 comes out, you know, I mean, it's the world's going to go crazy for it. I know I'm going to be fucking wild over that ga- that game. Um, yeah. So I, I'm I'm okay with it being me delayed. Too. Yeah, I share that sentiment for sure. And one thing we got to think about is the fact that there are so many PS5s being sold and they're almost impossible to get. And that's yep. a good thing for Sony. It's a good thing for Polyphony because they have a good base line of, uh, you know, consoles for the games they release onto. Uh, and they certainly don't need GT's help to sell <laughs> the, P- the PS5. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm excited for GT7 to or GT Next to hit. I, I keep saying I don't have any inside information. I was just joking. It's going to be <laughs> seven. That's the deal. But uh, yeah, so seven's going to be coming once it comes, once it's ready, and all that good stuff. But uh, w- the only thing I'm holding out hope for is uh, for a lengthy tri- uh, lengthy beta period, which mm-hmm. I not just for 
you know, because I want it early or whatever. And that's not to say I'm guaranteed to play it. I mean, who knows? They may it'll it may be a different kind of beta than the one we had for sport. Um, whereas sport felt a little more random. Uh, maybe sevens will be different. Maybe it'll either be more inclusive or less inclusive. But mm-hmm. I hope that they put a longer one in so that we can get in a little bit earlier and have a little more you know that's oh, implying that we so, have yeah. more you know if, because if it is earlier then that means we have a little more influence or those that do play the beta and give their input will have more of a player influence on the potential 1.0 release version of it so yeah yeah with uh with gt sport it seemed like the beta was very out in the open and there was just a, an abundance of public knowledge about what the game was going to be in its content whereas gt7 it seems like um a large, the largest factor to its potential success has to do with how close to the chest they keep it in terms of the content they're going to be putting in. Just, um, you know, we don't want to know the track list. We don't want to know the car list. Um, it, you know, presuming that we're like marketers, right? And we're trying to make the most money out of the game and its release and build a hype to the maximum. So um, with that in mind, the beta, I think um, I would agree with you that they would plan on making it uh, a long-term beta probably well in advance of the release to iron out as many kinks and problems as possible, introduce as much polish as possible, but perhaps they'll do it in a way, I imagine they'll do it in a way that's going to be um, much more secretive um, and uh, private uh, and uh, internal of a beta than GT Sport was um, purely for the need to um, preserve that sort of mystery aspect of the hype. Yeah, and all I'm saying is that I really want to be involved in choosing what the car wash noise will be. Ultimately, Same. I want to adjust my horns, damn it. I want custom horns to come back. I've been missing horns oh, so much. Yeah, that's you can really uh, separate the, the chaff from the uh, totally. wheat and that. If you ask someone, hey, uh, have you ever had a horn, custom horn in your GT? And they say no, get out of my face. No, I'm just kidding. Yep. But, um... Yeah, that was a little more fun. It was that was a lighthearted aspect of GT that I would love for it to come back. Yeah, I like that you could take uh, components from other cars and put them onto your car. Like you could have five spoke roof wheels on a BMW, for example. And they looks looks really good. <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous, but that was a cool customization. And uh, we'll see if that comes back in GT7. I hope GT7 has uh, just the widest possible array of of customization. So. Uh, let's not talk GT7 too much. Let's uh, move on to what this yeah. means for GT Sport. And that GT Sport now uh, coming on to like a four-year-old game is going to be the 2021 FIA GTC um, pr- platform. And if Gran Turismo 7 is also delayed till 2022, um, maybe it's going to be third or fourth quarter 2022 and GT Sport is used for the 2022 season as well. Um, so what does that mean in terms of content right are we going to be getting uh more cars and tracks are we going to be getting wet versions of more tracks are we going to have uh more uh tire model updates that's what i uh, am most curious of because we've had a couple um and there have been uh i think more vocally negative reactions to the current tire model than there were for the previous um where this one is really bent towards uh predominance of understeer in almost every car um, so you wonder if they're going to change that. And also, I think it's it's worthwhile to call attention to how when GT7 was announced as being delayed to 2022 last week or maybe a week and a half ago, 
I think on the same day it was announced that there is going to be a GT Sport update coming out that, as we've learned, has changed the penalty system. So um, you got to wonder if they were withholding a fix to the penalty system that maybe they would not have released for GT Sport if they were going to decide GT7 is done enough that we can release it in 2021, or if this was um, coincidence. Right. It's uh, really hard to read at this point because, um, yeah, the development path for GT Sport was really, like, it, it was definitely affected by this decision. Um, and there's going to be some fallout uh, that may materialize in the form of new cars and tracks mm-hmm. that, uh, or they may want to just hold on to that stuff so that, uh, you know, for instance, Daytona, um, that would be a track that I could see potentially coming out on Sport. But um, then again, they may want to hold on to that for, as a selling point for seven. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think they are definitely back at the drawing board. Uh, pure speculation, obviously, on my part. But uh, yeah, um, it's really hard to tell at this stage. But um, I feel that they, with the change that they've made to the penalty system, it's a sign of them kind of digging in their heels a bit and deciding to put a little more uh yeah they're gonna put there i feel like more members have either come off of seven or people yeah like the the system this is high speculation but the, uh, the splitting of workload yeah. you mean yeah exactly um something like that's going on behind the scenes and uh so it's going to be uh, more interesting for sport especially this year um, I just don't think anyone was expecting for sport to be uh, talked about as a as a competitive title going into 2022, which uh, seems to be the likely case at this stage. It's amazing. Um, I think total interest has maybe dropped off a little bit, um, but you know, in the, I still see and hear all of the the big names, of which there's like hundreds now. Um, practicing and preparing for the season, um, I think that the the competitive intensity and volume has uh, has only increased since last year, and this is going to be definitely the most competitive year um, of them all. So if we're going to be going into another year, 2022 GT Sport, it's going to be just ridiculous how, how uh, crazy fast these aliens will have become and how many of them there will be at a very high polished level of performance. So um, in terms of the racing quality and hopefully the top 16 broadcasts, I think we're going to have the best ever this year. Um, now this, uh, this update that came out that changed the penalty system. Also, uh, we had a recent update that changed the balance of performance um, where some cars got nerfed, some cars got buffed. And the one that got buffed the most was the Mazda RX Vision, which was uh okay at a couple tracks last year but was generally useless and now it is op (laughs) Um, and mazda are one of the uh, partners of gran turismo along Mm -hmm. with uh, toyota and nissan so uh you wonder if that's uh if that's kind of deliberate or if maybe the car does have an achilles heel um (laughs) pun intended i guess uh that's the um that we the uh competitors have yet to uh, determine maybe it's garbage on wet races, right? I I really don't know, um, so we'll we'll find out just how it balances out. Um, but uh, what's your what's your take about this, and and how do you what do you see is um, 
are going to be kind of the, the BOP talking points for the manufacturers that you think might do well versus the ones that are going to get the, the short end of the stick this year? Um, well, it's definitely evened up some of the more popular choices, I feel like, uh, and helped attract some players or drivers potentially back to the manufacturers that they abandoned. So, mm-hmm. you know, you have people like um, Ant that used to be Chevy, left it, went to Mazda, left that. So maybe it can now go back to Chevy if he's coming around. Yep. Or Lloyd's, who was, you know, with Mazda and then left. And then, like, maybe he'll want to come back since it's so good and all that. But, uh, yeah, Mazda, the Mazda thing is kind of a funny sticking point to me because people are saying, when, when it first came out, it wasn't a hot car. So it's like, I don't think Mazda really cares at this point. It's not like they're giving them notes telling them, like, hey, we heard her. We heard our car isn't so hot in your game, and you got to fix that. I think it's just more, I don't know. I mean, that's just like they're playing whack-a-mole, and every once in a while, one just kind of gets away from them. Um, so I think there's probably going to be, I mean, most people are expecting another adjustment to be had, right? They're going to use these exhibition rounds in order yep. to sauce things out. Yep. Um but, yeah, it's kind of funny that Dodge is nerfed again before. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure a lot of the Mopar fans were, like, looking forward to things, right? Yeah. They and were then, already nerfed, and now it's, like, extra nerfed. Yeah. So, but Porsche being nerfed, I know that's close to, to your heart, uh, but I think you guys could, uh, if anyone can, if any squad can deal with a challenge like that, it's yours. So, mm-hmm. I... Godspeed. I salute you. <laughs> Thank you, dude. Yeah, speaking of squad, the, the Dream Team has unfortunately broken up. Same with BMW, because new for 2021 is that uh, Manu regions are combined. Oh, very true. Yep. The, so I'm now going to be facing off against the likes of uh, likes of Loyrat. Um, and I am... Uh, well, I'm, you know, you ex- it. I'm excited to lose, because <laughs> that's Aww. what's going to happen. Well, I'm um, excited to maybe lose one here, pick one up there, lose one here, and pick one up there. Right. I mean, yeah. It's going to be close, man, so yeah. don't count yourself out at all. Thank you. I, I don't know where his weaknesses are yet, uh, and I'll just try to continue to put in you know, my consistent performances. But um, So we got North and South America combined. That hasn't been the case since 2018 yeah. for Manu, which is crazy. That means the, the um, rooms are going to be so stacked, so Super stacked. stacked. You know, Hopefully the, not networkly. <laughs> hopefully yes. the networks are stable but yeah that's that is definitely a concern and um when we did uh, uh testing for world finals in november with uh all regions we had trouble with latency um to the uh, australian and japanese servers the oceana servers um, mm-hmm. but the south american contestants and even the european contestants latency was acceptable for car jitter and movement so i would hazard a guess that I think we're going to be okay with yeah. the with the South American region combined now, um, and uh, fortunately with that out of the way, it's now going to be uh, a question of uh, actual competition, right? Because it's just they have so many good drivers, and North America has so many good drivers. Um, you know, the minimum cutoff for driver rating to get into a top split is now going to be somewhere in the range of like eighty thousand points, um, yeah, which is absurd. Cool. So uh, this exhibition season is going to mean a lot for those who are angling for the S ranking, the coveted S ranking, um, and uh, others who are <coughs> re- mm-hmm. re- recovering from a, a, a DR reset. <laughs> and, um, 
you know, it's going to be tough. It's going to be real tough out there. Um, so along with North and South America getting combined, so too was the Japanese and Oceania region. So that means that people like uh, Matt Simmons and uh, Matt McEwen and um, uh, Nick McCosey. Why am I forgetting? Cody uh, Lakovsky are now going to be against the likes of uh, Ryota Kokubun and uh, Takuma Miyazono and um, all those guys. So uh, it's not just North Americans who have to contend with a huge batch of uh, new competitors. It's going to be those guys as well over in the uh, now combined Asia Oceania region. So uh, hopefully this will make for extremely exciting. Um, I think so. You know, top 16 broadcast with all Tom and Jimmer, which uh, I will hope will be the announcers for our events again, though nothing's been confirmed. I imagine that they're going to be the same guys with Julia yeah. and the whole crew. But, yeah, I mean, laying it out as it is, it's looking like, you know, and it's sort of in the European style, split two, split three, getting wins there, getting results there is going to be yeah, like something to be really proud of. So, mm-hmm. Not to say that previously that wasn't the case, but it's just that much more. The ra- the stakes are raised that much more. So yep, yep. It's going to tri- be triple A bonds all the way down. <laughs> yeah. So I think we're all looking forward to that, uh, especially in this first season exhibition that's going to start up. And uh, yeah, it's going to be like old times, like when the game first released. Yep. Um, and uh, new faces, old rivalries, new ones. It's going to get uh, pretty interesting there, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think we're all looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, I got to just put in a non sequitur. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Call of Duty and, um, of course, Gran Turismo, and the games have been through a couple of recent updates uh, each. Uh, and I love how Gran Turismo doesn't take uh, 10 hours to, to copy itself when an update uh, arrives. That's uh, you know, we get we get an update that's like a few hundred megabytes, and the game copies, and it's done in like 20 minutes. And Call yeah. of Duty, you know, you've got like a 20 gigabyte update that is now going to take half the day to copy. And that's, uh, I don't think that game has more content than Gran Turismo. Maybe no, it does. You know, maybe maybe I'm making a facetious statement. but Bad optimization. I mean, you got, it makes me really ha- have to give more props to, you know, guys over at DICE EA for Battlefield franchise. They're so good at optimizing the game for the engine. Mm-hmm. getting large maps to work and all of that stuff but yeah yeah so kudos gran turismo thank you for you know kudos. Uh, not forcing me to delete all my other games just so you can exist yeah and uh what is it what, what is the install size file or the update total at this stage still a lot right the for game. for which for sport um well the recent update file was like 230 megabytes i think yeah that was, you know, the BOP adjustments and the penalty adjustment. Yeah, because it's a point of contention. There's a lot of people. I mean, there was some story about how you can't play Warzone on a on an original PS4 anymore because it just doesn't fit. Like the 500 gigabyte PS4s. That's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> That's just ridiculous. And there like, are new... the, like how many copies of each texture do you need to have? I know. It's ridiculous. But um, then you have. Well, one good thing about the PS5 stuff is, even though I don't have one, or don't plan on getting one, and luckily, it's like when I saw that, that was one of the first things that I thought of when I saw the GT7 uh, announcement of delay, of, you know, the delay shit. I was like, yay, I don't have to spend $500 mm-hmm. <laughs> so soon, because uh, I don't plan on having a 5 
for a while. There's not really anything on the horizon that I uh, I'm looking forward to besides seven. Yeah. So agree. It's going to take something like you know Grand Theft Auto Six or yeah. GT Seven. Um, you know, a, a real polished AAA title that I know a lot of people are going to play immediately online competitively. Um, you know, or at least have like a great story mode to go through first. And and both of those games are going to have that kind of thing. You know, GT Seven. Right. The the whole thing that distinguishes the complete Gran Turismo title is the uh, the single player aspect. And GT Sport has kind of a piecemeal single player of just you know here's some races and combos and a license thing. Um, but no, no used cars, no GT Auto, no car washes, no oil changes, no, uh, you know, add a wing to this car customization, no racing mods, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, no but GT7 challenges. will. There's no big challenges that people can point to either as being like a, you know, because every title's had its infamous sort of you know like oh did you how long did it take you to do this or that in this game like in gt5 it was like the red bull challenge yeah among among a few other things uh endurance races and all that but in sport it was just like the only one i really think back to that i thought was kind of cool is that gtr mission uh at nurburgring where you had to save fuel mm-hmm. and that's kind of weird pointing to a fuel saving thing as being a fun highlight of a game, <laughs> racing game but uh yeah yeah, the license tests were so-so, not really any memorable ones, but yeah, like like you said, we didn't we weren't playing sport. It's in the title of the game. We we're not playing it for single player. Yep. Yeah. Hoping for some killer killer, sorry. Killer license tests in 7, mm-hmm. some cool missions and crazy races. Um I'm hoping for well, you know, this podcast is always in danger of becoming a wish list. So, right. Let me just get one out of the way, and that is, I really hope that there's some form of uh, race, uh, like hot swapping with, you know, like co-op. Put it, let's put it that way, online co-op where you get to share an endurance race with a friend, uh, share share a drive. That'd be great. Easy swaps. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I would agree with that. Or you could have like the the spotter. Um, yeah in a fun way who's like you know just calling your race um and in the same vein having a team photographer right who can wander around the track where like the polygons are solid and stuff and you actually can try to the the whole point of photography is finding where to take the shot like uh every good photo starts with the the right placement of feet um what there's like some ansel adams quotes that's that's similar to that like every uh the best photos uh, are all about knowing where to stand and uh, ex- exploring the track and like if the grandstands are modeled and that you can like walk up the stairs and into the booths or something like that. Um, I, I threw this past Toyo um, who was responsible to um, for making the original yeah. photo mode. And he's like, yep, we want to do all that stuff. So uh, Gran Turismo 7 will have, uh, it'll be racing oriented. It's going to be about taking pictures of cars and, you know, maybe a couple of flowers on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that's going to be a, a fun sort of secondary aspect uh, that that I hope will be in a completed form with that game when it comes out. So, yeah, I love that. Well, the um, the GT Sport exhibition season started yesterday. The first uh, nations uh, race was yesterday. Uh, it was the Toyota uh, GR Yaris at Fuji, which was a fun combination. And the first menu race is going to be this coming Wednesday. Interlagos twenty laps with uh, all three compounds of tires and high tire wear rate. Uh, as well as a high fuel consumption rate. So that's going to be uh, an interesting race. You know, if, uh, if 
if you're if you're very good at saving fuel and you're really easy on your tires, you're going to do pretty well. Uh, if you're like me and you can do neither of those things, then you're going to suffer. <laughs> <laughs> well, those races always end up becoming like well, a fuel save, especially tire save race, compounded at Interlagos. It's just I can see the trains already of cars. Mm-hmm. Everyone's going to be right next to each other, so that'll be fun. It will be fun. It'll be very, I think, closely matched. It'll definitely be closely matched, especially qualifying. It's going to be real close. Um, but yeah, the season's already kicked off. We only got six rounds of each before the official season. We don't know the official season schedule yet, but if it's only six rounds, that means it's only three weeks, right? So within probably four to five weeks, inside a month from now, I'd say, is when the official season's going to get kicked off. So it's right around the corner, race fans. You better get yourself ready. Yep, I'm going in, and uh, I think I'm going to just go... Because uh, I've tortured myself in the past with, you know, trying to be like, you know, Mr. Optimal with the uh, menu pick. But I think this year I'll just, or this time, I'll just go in blindly, go with the mm-hmm. car that I like. And that one will be Lexus, just because I feel like I do well with the car and I have mm-hmm. fun. I don't care about how good its tire wear is. I'm just going to go. Just do it, dude. You know, exhibition season is exactly as it is described and. You know, uh, we don't we don't know all the parameters, and uh, uh, maybe you'll find something about Lexus that that really works out. Um, and there's also shadow buffs sometimes that that uh, go undetected until something mm-hmm. is put through its paces in earnest. And it's possible you might find something about Lexus fuel usage at certain RPMs. Who knows? Um, that make it a contender, and uh, you could be like in like Flynn with one of those choices that is uh, otherwise ignored by the big names and suddenly you just earned yourself like a, a top 12 manufacturer uh, entry into like world finals. So um, sometimes using the car that is most comfortable and not the most popular can pay off. So uh, sure. I hope that works out for you, my dude. Thanks. Me too. We'll see. So, I just like to have fun. I just want to have fun. All right. Do you have uh, any any other thoughts about GT Sport before we move on to Formula One? Um, no, I'd like to talk about Formula One now. <laughs> What's hot on your mind about Formula One, young man? Uh, well, the thing that I have really been looking forward to since uh, Ferrari had stumbled out of the gate in 2020 was Ferrari's recovery. I've been hyping it up to my dad, who is a big Ferrari fan, mm-hmm. for uh, feels like forever now. So it feels like since last uh, March, because I knew they were taking this punishment. So if you don't know, um, there was this new story that came out. Uh, I think it was dropped on a podcast, right? Mikasalo. Uh, it was on a Twitch uh, Twitch broadcast. Twitch um, broadcast. That yeah. Mikasalo, ex driver for Ferrari, uh, F1 driver, all of that. He was saying that part of the punishment that Ferrari incurred for having run in an illegal engine in 2019 is that they had to have a restricted fuel flow rate for 2020. And uh, that led to Ferrari being down on power. (laughs) Yeah, way down. And uh, having a car that was hard to set up because of said lack of power. And uh, Charlie Leclerc spinning out in Monza in frustration. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so it kinda, that was a really tough year for uh, Ferrari. Uh, I think Bonotto uh, got, you know, grew a lot of gray hairs. Uh, I think, for, uh, but I, in some 
you know, bright side. I think Charles Leclerc was forged in a flame, and which I think, you know, a lot of people are saying that McLaren is going to be one of the best team pairings alongside uh, Red Bull, but I I wouldn't count out Signs and Leclerc mm-hmm. pairing at all. Um, to me, that's an extremely potent package, and uh, yeah, that's just that's what I keep thinking about. Um, it's kind of weird to think of Ferrari as an underdog. Um, that I would want to root for because I kind of have a history of hating Ferrari, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to them surprising everyone. And uh, yeah, besides the fact that I've sobered up, you know, I mean, obviously uh, Sergio Perez going to Red Bull was huge news. Uh, my, my dad and I were hugging it out after that win. That was crazy. We feel like we've traveled. I mean, we've like followed Checo's successes in racing since he was you know, racing in the lower formula series. So him getting to get another shot at the, uh, at a top team is also very much in my mind. And every time I, you know, the first time I saw Checo in Red Bull gear, I was freaking out. I just couldn't believe that was happening. I felt obviously very, really bad for Albon, mm-hmm. but it's wild. Yeah. It's a fairy tale, dude. It's, it it's, is. it's one of those true fairy tales that uh, comes across so rarely in formula one. Um, so for that reason alone, it's worthy of being celebrated. And you know what's interesting about driver pairings, how you bring it up that way, uh, of like the top five teams, you know, let's say it's uh, Ferrari, Red Bull, Aston Martin, uh, Mercedes, and uh, gosh, what would the fifteen be? I'm blanking. McLaren, excuse me, McLaren. Oh, yeah. Um, I think Mercedes, with, with apologies to Valtteri Bottas, may have the weakest yeah. um, driver pairing of those five. Right, because Botas is always out of the gates very well, and and his first third of a season is very strong. That's where he gets his wins, and then he just tails off. And something about, I think something about his understanding of how to set up the car just doesn't match that of Hamilton's, and uh, and the the contrast between their driving styles and their ability to adapt to the car couldn't have been clearer than at Turkey last year. Yeah, the oh, the semi wet semi dry race where Hamilton stormed through to make an epic victory. Um, after the the racing points, uh, you know, uh, sped off from the lead, uh, and Botas spun out like nine times, nine times, yeah. right? I think of Mr. Rooney from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, <laughs> nine times, right? <laughs> like it's it's just that was just an embarrassing shit show. There's no other way to put it. Um, and that guy still has a drive, and George Russell is still in a Williams, and that is quite perplexing to me. Yeah. It is, um, but I see where Toto or whomever is coming from with the decision. Um, so there, you know, stability is a hell of a thing. <laughs> totally, you're in right. A, in F1, and uh, yeah, as a fan, obviously, I want things to be shaking up. I would love to have Russell, you know, go against Lewis in the same car. I think it would be great for the sport, obviously, and all of that. But they have uh, they have goals. Totally, and you know what? If- if I were George Russell, I would be looking at 2021 uh, with the lens of uh, this is actually optimal for me because if we're looking at like the top five teams and those 10 drivers, those are uh, like this is going to be a very exciting year of Formula One um, oh. because of how strong all these teams are now going to be in Ferrari. don't have to run a reduced power package anymore. So there's going to be like crazy battles up front, I would think. We're at the very end of this um, technical regulation development cycle. Uh, which tends to be when it's the most competitive. Um, 
maybe that's a facetious statement too. But anyway, I'll continue. And so George Russell is looking at these 10 guys who are the brightest candles burning as bright as they can because they're all trying to get a world championship. And you know that a few of them are going to burn out this year. Uh, at least one or two of them are going to be like, you know what, you know, maybe maybe Vettel's going to get beaten by Stroll and he's going to throw in the towel and be like, fuck it, I'm out. Maybe Hamilton is going to have some kind of incident where he can't develop the car and he's going to be like, fuck it, I'm out. And suddenly Russell now has a drive with the top team, right? Be it McLaren or Mercedes or Ferrari or Red Bull. It could be honestly any of them because what if Verstappen gets beaten by Checo? I think that's a possibility, <laughs> yeah. right? There's like Verstappen, no argument, is an extremely fast driver, but Chaco has uh, developed uh, into an incredible race distance driver who is probably the best at preserving his tires, which, as we know in Formula One, is now extremely important. Um, and the yeah. way he deployed his available grip as well, like he's he's able to be reserved as well as be aggressive. Whereas in 2013, when he went to McLaren, he only knew aggressive. And I think that's what. Uh, got him to be kicked down the ranks, so to speak. Um, he, he couldn't adapt to the car. His driving style was like Gilles Villeneuve in the 2012 Sauber, and uh, it didn't translate into the McLaren. McLaren were expecting another Lewis or another Jensen Button, and they got Gilles Villeneuve, and that's it's like a different era of driving style. So over the last several years with Racing Point, he's had this huge opportunity to refine his driving style, figure out how to set up the car so that it actually is fast throughout the race distance instead of just in qualifying. And now we have a driver who can beat everybody at a race like Bahrain last year. Like that was insane. That was insane how much faster yeah. he was, and he did it from the back of the fucking grid after getting spun out by Leclerc. <laughs> like that—that's one of those impossible feats. That—that that was the mark of someone who deserves to be in a car like Red Bull or Mercedes. Someone who has come of age, and it, it's like it's. It's, it's really an incredible fairy tale, and, and it's one of so many that are going to be taking place and unfolding in this year of Formula One. And, and I hope that my excitement in my voice is palpable, because oh, when, I, when I get starting to, to talk about this stuff, I just am shaking in my chair, because it's like the adrenaline's pumping, and I just can't wait to fucking watch this stuff. Hey, man, he's like having a Mansell moment. If I were, if I were to have to compare him to anyone... Um... He, you know, either Mansell, someone, a late bloomer like Mansell or uh, uh, Hakkinen, mm-hmm. uh, that's a possibility. I mean, they they just were kind of, you know, they, when they were youngsters, they were surrounded by insane otherworldly talent. And that was the case for Checo. And that talent helped him grow into this force that just chose their lane. You know, with Checo, it was the tire preservation and being, you know, you know, just sticking to a plan. Like he's just like, yeah, the guy that sticks to the plan. And, and then he can also adapt when it goes wrong, as we saw in Bahrain, which is why I think that win was such a, it painted such a perfect kind of picture of his whole career and what, what his skill set is and his mentality, how he applies his, um, yeah, just not never counting himself out. And that's huge. So, uh, I'm, I'm really, really, uh, looking forward to this season first race i'm still also nervous for him because i know it's it is he's a new he is in a new team and he's kind of surrounded by unsavory characters like marco and yeah um but yeah i think if he as long as he does his job they're gonna love him over at red bull uh and as long as he just kind of does things by the book i just hope that they don't give him any any curveballs and you know throw out some early weird team orders or something like that so that's yeah. the only thing that i think could throw a wrench in everything 
I have faith in Helmut Marko's disposition towards measuring the worth of a driver based on their performance first yeah, and their marketability second. And we saw it with Vettel and Weber. And of course, Vettel got preferential treatment, but, but you look at the numbers and Vettel was routinely out-qualifying Mark Weber. You know, and Mark Weber was making the kind of mistake that made him fly through the air at Valencia, right? Yeah. And Vettel was not. So uh, it could be argued that they were uh, unfair to Weber, um, but it also could be argued that Weber did himself not many favors. Um, True. And we look at uh, this current situation with Verstappen. Verstappen has been regularly performing just incredible feats. You know, he, he's the kind of person who, can, who will make a mistake on the warm-up lap at the Hungary and crash the car. Um, the team will perform a miracle of repair, and Verstappen rewards them by not getting rattled and finishing second. Like, mm-hmm. that's the kind of driver Verstappen is. So, of course, Perez has this incredible challenge in front of him. But Verstappen might get shaken. Who knows, right? Because right. Uh, maybe it turns out that Chaco is that little bit better than him at the tire preservation. And um, maybe over, you know, through half the season, he's outscoring Verstappen, which is a very real possibility. And Verstappen gets rattled in a new way and starts making more mistakes, like the Verstappen of old. And Helmet is going to look at it and be like, okay— you've you've made this many points you've made this many points here's the door and it doesn't matter who that name is that he's showing the door it's it's really going to be performance first so you know i think i think that chaco psychologically um he wasn't ready for the mclaren in 2013 but Mm. but i admire him today because he's taken a long look at himself and has improved in such a way that only would have been possible if he was looking in the mirror and asking himself I'm failing in these aspects. I've identified these aspects I'm failing in. How can I improve them? And he's become, as a result, the driver he is today. So, yeah, you know, it's 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 been a story of, um, you know, if it's just opinion-based for me, I I didn't believe in him then, but I believe in him now. And I really hope the best for Chaco. So, you know, we'll and see how that goes. You know, and it's, it's a merit-based thing. So I'm glad he could convince you with last year's drive drives you know because he has besides bahrain like there were some really stellar things he did in that uh mercedes that being mercedes um but one huge point to me is in 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 regards to the difference between uh weber and himself because the comparisons are sort of you know non-stop but it's just huge that checo's had his win already you know Yep. In 2009, uh, Red Bull was looking really good. In the preseason, I think Horner and Newey were hyping the team within the team. Like, you know, behind closed doors, they were all like, dude, we we got this. You know, 2009 Zars, we just got to do this, this, and that. And then no one could predict the Braun, you know, yeah, thing really to happen. Yeah, the double diffuser. So I think Mark and Vettel were like, man, we're going to win so much. Uh, Mark was like, I'm going to get my first win. And and then he did in Germany that year, but um, I think it's just there's there's something super valuable to the fact, and something that I think Marco also saw that helped him agree to everything. It's just like okay, good, he's got his win in, he's not going to be desperate in 2021. Um, that's not to say that he won't be going for it, like saying, but he won't be desperate. So I think that was also a big factor for them, and, it, and that's something that's going to separate him and his. Uh, in his uh, in the, the way that he attacks the season, you know, he'll be more of a team player, and because he also it's a one year deal, 
and he yeah i think he's gonna want to just kind of play it a little safe at first i think i understand what you mean Checo, Checo, because he's gotten that win now is probably going to be calmer and more mature and more ready to accept the outcome and yeah the and next big step being a world championship to, not just a win yeah and ultimately to like move on from a, a a result that he doesn't like or doesn't agree with versus um fighting it or going to the press and making a hula blue not bad for a number two driver etc cetera, etc cetera. like yeah probably not going to happen with Checo. exactly but who knows right we're also yeah. it's just yeah. prediction at this point all right, if and if they're beating Mercedes, then it becomes an entirely different thing. And then if it comes down to like you know Max and Sergio, or like it's going to be one of us, then the, that's where I'm hoping it doesn't become another Ocon situation. But mm-hmm. I mean, like he's already had one, so if he hasn't gone from that, then if he hasn't changed and that Ocon thing happens again, then he doesn't deserve to you know have the championship. But it's up to him. So. On the subject of Ocon, it's interesting to consider um, and to predict what we think he might do against uh, Alonso this year. Um, yeah. You know, Alonso, uh, Alonso's last teammate was Van Dorn, right? Stoffel? In 2017, yeah. I think, before uh, Alonso left on his sabbatical for two years? Or am I, or is it 2018? Am I getting the years wrong? Oh, he had a button. He had button for 2015. 2016 oh yeah it was van Dorn. yeah and then stoffel van Dorn and I, I if memory serves he beat him qualifying 20 to nothing right right, and right. and van Dorn was supposed to be like you know the next up-and-comer destroyed everyone in gp2 yeah but then you face alonzo in a difficult to drive and difficult to set up car and it's like yeah so Ocon, Ocon has uh been about the measure uh, an equal match in speed for chaco based on their time in racing point um, has he matured himself and found some more speed um, to take to his two-time world champion new teammate? Um, that's going to be interesting to see. And whether or not Alonso will cause any kind of, uh, and, and I'm saying this stereotypically, you know, because it's like Alonso has a reputation that may or may not be correct or, or fairly attributed, but will will Alonso's presence be a curse on uh, Alpine Renault? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, depends on Alonso's goals. I, don't know, I mean, I think he's using 2021 as a, you know, a, a year to get up at, back up to speed. He's uh the way that he's been talking about um his return in the media has been uh, a different Alonso than I think we're used to whereas before he was kind of more like if he had any, any anything self-critical, he would kind of just keep it guarded, but now mm-hmm. he's being pretty straight up. He's saying that, you know, these cars are very difficult very physical um i may not be myself in the first year it's going to take a while for me to really get up and into it and um that was a talking point last year too in f1 where they would say Ocon, uh, his adjustment was more of an ask it was a bigger challenge than he was expecting himself even so and then hulkenberg talked about it as well he was only out for you know months and having to come back out of nowhere was just like yeah, it it was a a big shock. Just mm-hmm. uh, and that's just you know he was in he was racing in twenty nineteen. So I think uh, Alonso is definitely I would I would put him higher than Ocon in terms of his ability to kind of get back into things. I think he'll hit the ground running. But totally 
not 100%. So I think because of that, Ocon will have... Uh, I don't know if we'll have an edge over him, but I think they will be pretty freaking close to each other, and uh, Ocon will be able to get one in on him pretty consistently, I think. Man, it's amazing to consider that both Alonso and Raikkonen, um, they both had two-year sabbaticals, but they both began their Formula 1 careers 20 years ago. 20 years uh, ago. It's wild. And they're still <laughs> they're still in it, right? Um, Alfa Romeo uh, still consider Kimi to be certainly fast enough. Um, and then Alonso is getting, you know, the factory drive with uh, the same team that brought him his uh, two world champions or championships. Yeah. Alpine Renault. It's craziness. We got tons of like stuff that's going on in F1. Uh, you know, Haas resorting to Mazepin. Um, you know, the question of whether or not Gene Haas is, is even like interested anymore since the team has... Uh, had a huge downturn in results over the last few years. Um, you know, the, uh, we've got uh, Nikita Mazepin, who has yeah. skirted controversy through uh, potentially uh, like sexually uh, inappropriate slash harassment uh, Instagram videos, as well as comments made suggesting, um, uh, I don't know, like embarrassing details of other driver sexuality. Uh, and we also know that he has... Uh, a reputation of um, seeking retribution for uh, slights, perceived slights, um, on the racetrack and off the racetrack. And so uh, will he be acting out? Will he crash into someone deliberately? Uh, will he sexually harass anyone? <laughs> you know, just how much of a risk Huge are Haas taking with this guy? Yeah, and uh, we also can't forget that this is the first year that Chase Carey gave up you know, Chase Carey is no longer the chief supremo guy. He's not the mustache That's on the block true. anymore. And that is now Domenicali, who I think will have a tougher time growing uh, quite a good uh, mustache. <laughs> but I don't know how his mustache game is, but that doesn't matter. He's a ex-Ferrari. Uh, his position, he was team principal at Ferrari up to 2013, I believe. Mm -hmm. And then he left, went to be the CEO for, for Lamborghini. That's right. Uh, did that pretty well for a while and uh, impressed enough people. Had the right connections still in place over at the uh, big F1 and then was called up to lead the whole thing. So uh, he put out a statement of some kind that it was something to the effect of you have to be a role model and you have to act, you know, the obvious thing. It's things that you sh one shouldn't need to reiterate to drivers. It's like a you know when you just reach a certain level how you're going to act, right? And Mazepin is one that's not afraid to show his true self uh, to the world because he's extremely entitled and uh, he's never had, a, you know, he's had nothing but yes people around him most of his life. So it's going to be a weird, interesting element that F1 hasn't seen in a while, really. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, fireworks for sure. Uh, that you know, goes goes nicely into the more important addition to Haas to me and a lot of people. Uh, less, much less controversial. <laughs> My, I was almost going to say Michael, but it's Mick Schumacher, the son of Michael Schumacher, coming on, and I'm really interested in seeing how they get on. Mm -hmm. If they're even going to really uh, get on, get along with each other, or if they're going to be buddy buddy at all, if they're just going to play cold kind of you know teammates, that's going to be interesting. It will be. 
Yeah, and I have uh, I have high hopes for him. Um, you know, Mick Schumacher had uh, not the most explosive of uh, careers in the junior categories, but a very steady rise of results. And I can um, I I hope that his uh, the consistency of his improvement maintains now that he is in the top flight of motorsport. And it would be cool to see him uh, in a top team, presuming that he performs, you know, but within the next couple of years, uh, because everybody, I mean, that's like another obvious, incredible marketing fairy tale. If, if oh, the yeah. M, M Schumacher returns to winning ways, um, especially considering um, the, the hard events that the Schumacher families had to go through in the last decade uh, with Michael's injury, um, this would be just uh, an incredible uh, Disney-esque sort of story. Uh, I mean, it, it kind of already is that he's made it to Formula One. Uh, he's he's really only one step away now from um, being in the same place that his father worked to. That's incredible. Yeah, it really is. I honestly asked me about mixed chances three years ago. I would have been like, no way. I mean, you have you know Schwartzman, Callum Illot. You have all of these guys in the Junior Academy program that were looking much more promising but he really held it together and uh adapted to f2 and i mean every series that he's gone into he kind of had a you know from what people were saying and and if you're looking at the stats he takes a year to kind of get used to things and then the second year he always does well so uh i think Haas is going to be a really challenging um debut format for him to take on uh, it's kind of like playing the F1 games on hard mode, like <laughs> starting with a team that's not only, I mean, you, uh, they're definitely a backmarker, but a, a car that, that uh, from all accounts, seems to be a real nightmare. So I'm hoping that the updated and unleashed Ferrari engine helps, you know, against all of those headaches. But it's, uh, it's going to be a true test for both Mazepin and Mick to really try to see who the better man is. And uh, I'll, I'll, if I had money on anyone, it's going to be Mick for sure. Because mm-hmm. um, not only does Mazepin just not have as good a stats or uh, history, but he just he's, he's a hothead. And um, in F1, that uh, doesn't lead to very many good results. Um, so things can get away from... Mazepin quickly if he doesn't shape up and uh, I think Mick is just going to have an approach similar to his father he's going to emulate him for sure in a lot of ways and that's a successful trajectory for any young driver to take on so mm-hmm. totally so speaking of young drivers Lance Stroll now has um, a four-time world champion as his teammate in a team owned by his father Big Daddy Stroll, uh, now with factory backing in the form of Aston Martin, and you got to think that this is his time to shine, his uh, his his big opportunity to show that you know he's got uh, he's got the goods, and that um, you know if he takes it to to Vettel, um, Mercedes, Ferrari, others might take notice, and much in the same way that uh, Checo impressed last year, maybe Stroll can do that this year. What do you think? Yeah, I'm no. I don't keep it a secret that I'm no fan of Vettel. Ever since 2009, you know, 
I have a soft spot for Australians, soft spot for Australians. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was always like rooting for Weber. And uh, I just um, I felt like the fan, you know, it's gone to a level of like cult status. The, the fans of Vettel excusing every single thing that he does wrong. Uh, you go on the Reddit Formula One subreddit and it's just insane the, the amount of downvotes you get for saying anything even half critis- critical about Vettel. But, um, yeah, I've always said that um, I uh, it was my prediction that Leclerc was just going to destroy Vettel and um, I think it's arguable that that was the case. And so Vettel is going away to a different team and I think that Lance is in a place to uh, beat Vettel. And uh, I think that Vettel is at Aston because Lawrence wanted someone that his son could beat, but that would also also bring along um, good, you know, you know, big name for the team to have. It's mm-hmm. like, sure, we'll, we'll get Vettel. Um, my son can handle him, no problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still have, there's a part of me that will have to have a bit of room for uh, optimism in terms of Vettel's chances of kind of turning things around and maybe Ferrari really is that much of a uh, soul sucker, <laughs> so to speak. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe he will, which I'll be happy to see. I mean, I, to be fair, I am a huge fan of Vettel's personality. I think he's one of the most unique characters F1's ever had in the history of the entire sport. Mm-hmm. Not to say that we have, you know, as much information about old drivers as we do these drivers, but he's just so different and he's such a nerd and he's so funny and he's just like into British humor and all that stuff. So uh, I love him as a dude, but I think as a driver, he's kind of had better days and um, I hope that he can thrive at Aston Martin, but I really don't expect that will be the case. Definitely. Yeah. There was, you remember uh, Canada 2019, when he got the penalty for the unsafe re-entry mm-hmm. and at the end of the race, he got to parking his car and swapped the uh, podium parking grid signs so that Hamilton didn't have first to a second <laughs> yeah. and the empty spot where his car should have been was first. Like that's, that's amazing. That's the, the, the breaking protocol to make a statement kind of thing um, is something I really appreciate about Vettel and yeah. it's a, extremely rare, um, you know, in, in today's sort of sanitized, um, and uh, forgive me, uh, marketing optimized. Um, oh yeah, kind of it was an, icon- of, it was an iconic sport. moment. Totally. It was an iconic moment. Yeah, beautiful moment. I I clapped at the TV screen when that <laughs> happened. Like, I was so happy to see that. Just it, right or wrong, it didn't matter if he was right or wrong. It was in the gray area, and he decided that he needed to stand his ground and and wasn't gonna kind of just make the the politically correct route. He was gonna uh, take a stand and. Um, you know, in, in the realm of sport where it's 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 not too consequential, it's like people aren't, you know, uh, living or dying based on his actions or the results of the race. It's more entertainment. Uh, it's still risky, right, because it's, it's like his reputation on the line. And um, for him to take that risk and make that statement speaks a lot about the confidence he has in his opinion. And that's what we love to see and uh, is... Uh, is is a pure expression of being human um and i love it and that's one of my favorite yeah. moments in the last 10 years yeah that was certainly great and um i think he has so much self-belief and determination um but 
uh, he is right in a lot of ways. Um, one big thing I think about a lot is the fact that if um, Kimmy stayed as his teammate for 2019, you know, that was a big, huge discussion back and forth within the team and within the fandom about whether Kimmy should be, you know, alongside Vettel mm-hmm. and the team mm-hmm. for 2019. And I was one of the guys that was like, no, we need Leclerc there. Uh, we need to shake things up. Kimmy's out. You know, he's useless, blah, blah, blah. And ended up being the case. Kimmy wasn't so bad <laughs> after all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think I have to, at this point I have to support the idea that Vettel – probably stood a much better chance of winning 2019 for the team winning the for four sf it had it been kimmy there would I agree. you agree with that yeah i would agree because uh he and leckler took points off of both of them because they had so many collisions and mm-hmm. uh i can't i can't think of the only collision i can think of that vettel had with raikkonen was when they pinched for Stappen at singapore in yeah. uh in what was it 2017 or 2018 that's like right. the, that's the only Raikkonen to Vettel collision I can think of and maybe there are others but I can think of at least like four or five exactly. Leclerc and uh <laughs> and Vettel collisions you know Brazil and Red Bull Ring um are just like the two that come to mind uh the uh the way that uh Vettel complained on the radio in Bahrain uh where he's like uh you know you can't do that we we sit in the team trailer for an hour and talk mm-hmm. about how we're not going to do this. And then he goes and does it anyway. This is like last second lunge that Leclerc is tend tends to do. So, you know, that, uh, I totally agree. And, uh, I'm, I'm rambling a bit, but basically I'm just putting forth evidence that supports your point that, uh, 2019 would have been a completely different season for Vettel if it was still Reichen beside him. Yeah. And you know, who you pick is the teammate. Like that's why, Toto and Mercedes are so insistent that it's Botas, you know. I know a lot of people are crying, like, oh, it's, you got to give Russell a chance. And, of course, we all know Russell is super talented. We, did, I mean, I didn't need to see him in the Mercedes to, like, it honestly didn't really adjust my position on Russell. I mm-hmm. have known that he's been, like, he has same. this insane potential. Right. Um, but it's just, they have goals. They want to break the Schumacher record. They want to get eight. You know, when I say they, I'm talking about Mercedes, obviously. Uh, so let they need to do that, and then then they can talk to Russell, and then Botas. I think is just going to be, I don't know where he's going to go, but yeah, rally probably <laughs> rally. Yeah, he you loves know, his rally. Lamar, right? You know, we've got all yeah. the manufacturers returning exactly. for LMDH and stuff. I'm sure there are going to be some empty seats looking for F1 tier talent that you know I'm sure he'll be able to deliver upon. But Williams is an interesting, you know, that deal. So BWT is the sponsor that left Racing Point and uh, also used to be with Force India when they were called that. Um, they made the cars pink. They're a, a German mineral, mineral mineralized water company or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was this t- story about how they uh, couldn't be with Aston Martin because they were like, well, Aston Martin says we can't make the car pink. So let's leave Aston Let's go try and let's go try to get with uh, uh, Haas. Haas said Haas said that they were close, and then they didn't do the deal, and then they tried to get with Williams, and they also said no. So to me, that says that Williams, if we're going to talk about Williams, which is an interesting point, um, they had you know that's that's a big thing. That's like someone going up to you know 
It's like, hey, you want to hang out? It's like, no, I'm good. I'm working on stuff. So it's like, okay. <laughs> Williams is confident. They have some... They're they're taking on some good people. They uh they're I think they're really one of the teams that are really looking forward to the cost cap operation. Uh, mm-hmm. and I do think there's a, there's a future. And um, even if tw- even if George were to stay there for twenty twenty two, I think there's a future. Mm-hmm. Um, they have potential there. So they're probably gonna have like a year or two of restructuring, but um you know that cost cap that I think is supposed to come in twenty twenty three. Um, will certainly serve them very well, especially now that we're going to have an engine freeze from 2022 onward. Um, yeah. You know, so they don't have to worry about spending tokens or extra money on developing the hybrid systems or the engine. It's yeah. just going to be like almost purely aerodynamics and chassis and maybe gearbox, that Although, kind of stuff. There is a rumor that they they may want to go partner up with Renault. Mm-hmm. So that could happen. They're making moves. They have new leadership, new investing group behind them. Uh, I think they're they're trying to shake up, shake things up, uh, bet, become a force. I bet there's going to be a name change. I have a feeling. That oh, that would make me sad. Just without any of the Williams family members, you know, at, at the team anymore. Now That's that the team is totally bought, they'll probably run Williams this next year. Just as sort of like a, might even be contractually agreed upon or something like that. But if they They'll probably change names, you know, much in the same way that like Tyrrell became Stewart or something like that. Right, like whoever's running it, just kind of privateer status kind of thing. Yep. Yeah. So uh, um, you brought up a name um, before we started casting, and uh, I want to know why it's on your mind, Tavo Helmond. What's the deal with this dude? Yeah, Tavo Helmond. I first heard about him uh, when the first kind of drafts of austin's racetrack which is known as circuit of the americas Mm -hmm. started coming together in like 2009 or so um he was one of the main dudes behind that was like a force behind the building of the track huge f1 racing fan in general racing fan as well and uh he you know it was that was his project that was his baby and he got it going and then he kind of just disappeared now he has a group of investors that are interested in coming in to the sport. Uh, he is one of, I think, two or three potential new entries for the sport, which will be great because I've always loved, you know, 22, 24, 26 car grids in F1. Totally. And um, he is looking at getting an entry going. Um, there's it's a there's a $200 million, $200 million entry barrier that needs to be paid out in order to get into into the sport but that might may or may not be looked at as as a potential waiving for them and other teams but uh yeah he is an he's leading an investor or a group of americans that may want to get an american another american team going in f1 and i think that's uh, pretty exciting Mm -hmm. totally yeah that's uh that entry fee has been uh, a controversial point as well as the need to be in the sport for three years before you can as a team reap the benefits of any of the uh, commercialized rights tv broadcast profits of which are like over a billion dollars um so gene haas is probably hearing about this possible waiving of the entry fee and grinding his teeth rather violently because <laughs> mm-hmm. i'd be i'd be quite pissed too if like if we get a couple of new teams in 2022 uh, that don't have to pay the same entry fee he had to pay. 
So, uh, you know, that would even open the door of like litigation of unfair business practice or who knows, you know, I'm not a lawyer, but um, that's uh, that's the controversy that comes to mind when that topic is raised. Um, but uh, Tavo Hellman certainly designed a great racetrack at Circuit of the Americas. And I'm, um, you know, I've been there for a race in 20, what was it? 2013? Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's, it's a beautiful venue. It's similar to Sonoma in that from almost any point um up on the hill surrounding the track which is like half of it you can see the entirety of the whole track it's uh it's almost um yeah uh like a amphitheater like in mm-hmm. uh in a few places so uh hopefully formula one continues to come back there for many years to come um and on that topic we've got uh we've got a, a calendar for this year which is what is it 20 is it 22 or 23 rounds it's like the longest yeah. calendar ever it was going to be 23, and then Vietnam got dropped, and okay. then it got replaced, I think, with uh, a potentially, oh, was it, well, Portugal or Imola, yeah. one or the, one or the other? Portugal is, I think, going to be the one. And then Imola is on the cards as well as maybe replacing, because mm-hmm. uh, the first big move was Australia was going to happen, it was, typically is the first race, that mm-hmm. got moved back because of COVID, you know, just to be extra safe, although they're pretty good there in Australia. Mm-hmm. As when it comes to COVID, they um, don't want to push things. So they rescheduled to November, I think, or October. Mm-hmm. Yeah, October, I think it is. The start of their it, summer. Because it's going to be before Mexico City, which I have tickets to. Oh, goodness. And, uh, yeah, me and my Dude, family. That's going to be wild. Mexico City, Dude. especially if Chaco, you know, brings it. Right. <laughs> that, that's going to be off the hook. That's They're going to not raise the roof they're going to blow the roof off to oh, the moon yeah and i have the first year i went was 2015 and i sat in the stadium mm-hmm. in the southern end stadium southern bleachers um and then this year we're st- we're going to be in turn one so oh, great i'm looking forward to that big time and yeah the parade's going to be ridiculous um you know red bull's going to pull out all the stops when it comes to the marketing and the special treatment and uh god damn it's going to be crazy, man. That's going to be wild, dude. Cars are going to be showing up at turn one at 230 miles an hour um, because of the low air density and the very long length of the straight. And um, reduced downforce. Yeah. yeah they're, but but not reduced power because they're turbocharged means these the, they're, that's going to be an amazing spectacle. And I'm quite yeah. jelly, if I'm honest. <laughs> oh. Well, hopefully I can talk to you guys all about it afterwards. Uh, that's going to be quite a moment. I That'll think be amazing. Uh, because obviously Max he has a great history there. I mean, the uh, Orange Army, all of Max's fans from the Netherlands, they call, since he has such an affinity for the track and he just has good results there all the time, mm-hmm. they call it Maxico. I don't <laughs> know if you've heard the Maxico song, but they made a Mexico, Maxico song. I am not familiar. I'm familiar yeah. with the Max, 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 Super, Max, Max. <laughs> yeah, that's another one. I'm aware of that one. I, I love how Max has hit this level of... Uh, like schumacher level hype with the the country right yep i mean and not to say that it's as big as schumacher hype was because the vuvuzelas i mean come on shit's right. crazy <laughs> yeah but everyone is wearing red wigs and getting drunk off of success but uh <laughs> max he's bringing some of that old school f1 flavor <laughs> back to the sport which i really appreciate yep yeah Even, just the the no bullshit attitude yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I think Mexico's gonna be ridiculous, but yeah, uh, that's there's that. I'm literally also in terms of uh, Max. What other, other tracks Max is looking forward to? Definitely Zandvoort. 
Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah, the Zandy. track, the track that you can drive in iRacing. It's been in iRacing. So, like it's a really old model of yeah, like, of of Zandvoort. A lot of things have changed, but it's still a little, you know it's kind of a legacy version. It is. Um, you can go. You know, I think they're still going to have that turn five with the long right hand. De- long right-hander that's downhill yeah that that is relatively untouched just with like some different uh sand trap and wall placement such a cool corner i think about half the track is untouched but everything around the pit straight like turns one two three four and the last turn especially now that it's they've all been reprofiled widened repaved oh man talk about a slot car track yeah that's gonna be wild um racing might not be too hot but it'll be fun yeah, it's going to be at sea level with high downforce, so like you know, there's going to be uh, an impossibility to follow other cars. Um, but I think that's why they made the final corner banked is so that you can follow in the drag um, and have a chance to yeah. pass in the turn one. So uh, if for those who don't know, Zandvoort, the big reprofiling they did, the main thing was that uh, the final two corners used to be kind of box shaped. Um, and uh, difficult to take flat out and re- re- relatively narrow and bumpy with a big curb on the inside. Uh, they've been completely torn up and reprofiled, repaved. They're now about twice as wide as they used to be and have added a banking of, I think it's like 22 degrees, you know, like a NASCAR oval, the, the this long right-hander that is now going to be totally flat out in an F1 car after they leave the chicane exiting, I think, Sector 2 or Sector 3. Um, the whole purpose being so that on the relatively short front straight, uh, cars will now be close enough, um, thanks to the banking not washing wide when they're behind a, a, another car in front of them, um, to you know make an attempt at a pass, um, and that's uh, unprecedented. Um, well, not unprecedented, but it's it's unprecedented in this millennium. Um, you know the 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 only track that's had like some proper banking that F1's raced on was Indy um, in the early two thousands. Uh, and Indy was grooved in such a way that uh, destroyed the tires because the cars just produced so much downforce, the, the sort of diamond-cut grooves of the road were, were cutting the tires away, at least the Michelin tires. And everyone's like, nope, that's enough. Backed away slowly. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, so this will be a, a foray back into that, uh, let's call it, uh, historically dangerous territory. Um, and uh, for that topic alone, that's, uh, the Dutch Grand Prix is going to be uh, uh, extremely interesting to observe. Yeah. Um, it's a r- real old school circuit. It's one that people have talked about being in, in the game. Or, well, we're talking about real life. <laughs> I think it was going to be in F1 2020. I don't know if it actually got into there. Vietnam did. That's weird. The track mm. it was in a game that f1 will never race i mean right. we we can just say at this point it's never going to happen uh, covid changed everything vietnam suddenly was like why are we trying to spend a bunch of money on a race uh, right. we need to help our people okay so yep. we're never doing this again guys we're never doing this yep never doing yeah. this again it's just going to be like the <laughs> local go-kart track the section that they did complete around the grandstands yeah damn i was looking forward to that one i mean of course me too I mean, just because the straight was ridiculous. It was, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it would have been a weird city circuit, but... The scenery would have been especially incredible, like foliage we've never seen before. Right? Yeah, we would have had some durian. No, no, that's not... That's Philippines. Never mind. (laughs) But, yeah, that's another thing on the schedule that changed. But, yeah, I think we're... We may see other things change right now. 
tentatively, we have Austin uh, or the U.S. Grand Prix mm -hmm. on the schedule. Hopefully that happens. Um, uh, Canada, it's mm -hmm. a question mark. Um, Roger Penske stated he wants to have F1 return to Indy, you know, if the, oh, yeah. if the terms are agreeable. He's, uh, he stated he's open to it, so, um, you know, who knows? We may see that return. Yeah, and I just don't know. I, th I think they would need to come up with an yet another format or layout for F1 because I don't think the indie one would work. Maybe I mean, it could in a pinch and all that, but I just don't think they'd want to, to do it. It's just a little, I don't know. But Penske, you know, he's rich, so... He can make he a, another layout happen. He's, he's one of America's most successful businessmen. And, you know, the fact that he's done it primarily in racing and, you know, I guess to a supporting degree, dealerships. Um, right. And dealerships are no uh, fucking walk in the park. Yeah, uh, you know. tell you from firsthand experience. Yeah. Um, you know, working as a dealer employee is one thing, but to work as a dealer principal and to own, you know, what, like, he owns like 100 dealerships worldwide or something. Um is is no easy task and uh i i think that with his experience in managing those kind of things successfully uh perpetually growing it seems for decades uh can only bode well for the likelihood that indycar and indianapolis motor speedway uh will flourish uh under his uh his guidance in the years to come so, uh, you know, oh, uh, so. if anyone's going to bring F1 back to Indy, I think it'd be Roger Penske. Yeah, he has the uh, the connections in place, uh, the attitude, the uh, stellar uh, track record. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And uh, I would love to see it. Uh, F1 at the Brickyard uh, and, uh, you know, secondary race um austin and indy maybe miami although i don't think that would happen mm -hmm. still but uh oh yeah i'm excited for the future of racing in the united states and abroad um f1 definitely has uh, a lot of a lot of things going for it going into the new era of 2022 um i hope the racing improves a lot uh that's one big reason alonzo came back to the sport and um because he thinks that he fares a much better chance of, you know, because he thinks F1 is going to become more of a driver series where driver skill can shine mm -hmm. rather than just, you know, the uh, old engine uh, superiority, which Mercedes has enjoyed for a while. And mm -hmm. that's not being totally fair to them because I was recently talking about how I feel that uh, the scapegoat to Mercedes dominance is everyone always points to the power, but uh, it's much more than that. They have a really, really extremely good package with their drivers, with their um, personnel, uh, with the decision-making that they've made mm -hmm. in order to continually be the best. And, uh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, they were the only team that won with the aerodynamic uh, low-rake concept in uh, 2017 um and made the the longest car on the grid for the last four years right you know the and boat. and they've made it work obviously it's you know it's one thing as you say to have the engine advantage it's another thing to take a risk on the rest of the rest of the car um 
have difficulties in 2017. Like they did not dominate 2017. I think 2017 mm-hmm. is is really owed to Hamilton. Um, oh yeah. Uh, stick it out and continue developing, um, and then by 2019, it's like okay, they're back to kind of dominance, you know. And and from there, have the 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 racing political capital to be like, all right, we're gonna paint our cars black now. Yeah, you know, that's that that's like that's like fuck you speed, <laughs> <laughs> where they can just do what they want, do what they want. And uh, you're right, it's uh, now that the other teams have had this opportunity to observe what works and what doesn't. I think that this year we're going to see a lot of cars that actually have the same low rate concept. And um, if it doesn't work out for them this year, then at least next year and 2023, especially we're going to have, you know, the huge change of regulations again, um, which aren't even, I don't even know what they're going to be, but we're going to have probably what uh, we're going to have 18 inch wheels. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're going to have different wing profiles. We're going to have different diffuser sizes allowed. We're going to have different power plants with maybe, bigger smaller batteries we might do away do away with the um, turbocharger energy recovery system entirely um and the 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 book's just going to be open the ledger's going to be open uh with no one no names written in there of uh who's the likeliest to to win you know uh the bookies will have no idea and that's going to be you know the time for people like alonzo to hopefully cement their legacy right that's what he's got to be hoping for if what you say is true, that it's um, it's becoming more of a uh, a driver and team prioritized sport than it is uh, a technological tour de force. Yeah, I hope so. And that's one interesting thing about racing and in the top tier is that it's kind of you know in in golf they have like the masters division or whatever, or Masters, I don't know how golf works, but it's like in F1, we have this old generation and this new generation competing at the same time against each other for the overall result, and that's just beautiful to me, so, mm-hmm. um, and I, I really do hope that uh, 2022 becomes more of a driver and personnel-oriented sort of championship, uh, along with, obviously, yeah, I mean, there's always room for technological one-upmanship because f1 wouldn't be f1 without it but i'm extremely happy for the direction i mean the cost cap alone that's so huge i mean everyone's been begging for that for so long and that's one advantage that a lot of these teams some of them are in the sweet spot because the at first it was going to be like 200 something million dollars then it was reduced because of covid i think it's like 170 now or even lower and uh, a team like haas and Williams, they're in that sweet spot. That's like their bread and butter operating range in terms of money. So they may have an advantage. Mm-hmm. You never know. Mm-hmm. Big question marks for the future of F1. And that's great because, you know, you have Netflix going for them. Uh, that's a big snowball. It's attracted a lot of people and is growing all the time. Um, Drive to Survive uh, Season 3 is going to be absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. I mean... Ever since the, uh, you know, the uh, back and forth cancel and cancel thing happened with the Australian Grand Prix in 2020, I knew it was just going to be a weird special <laughs> season of that Netflix show. So, and then it ended up going into way beyond my wildest imagination as far as the developments of the rest of the, the uh, year went down. Mm-hmm. Super, going to be super entertaining. Can't wait to see all the behind the scenes stuff. Same here. That's going to be a fun binge watch. 
Oh, yeah. It's only a few weeks away. That's right. And, uh, but yeah. F1. Watch it. Do yourself a favor. We certainly will be. Uh, but there's more to racing than just F1 in the real life world. That silly thing that, you know, those real life drivers do that are endangering themselves all the time. We like to stay in our rooms and race against each other. The big, the only thing that the the only thing that we're in danger of is offending each other, which only lasts a few seconds, really. <laughs> but um, hypercar is a thing. Hypercar is a category of racing that is going to debut in the World Endurance Championship for twenty twenty. I think it's twenty twenty two, right? I think it's twenty two. Yeah. Yeah, and. Um, they're the ones. They're, they're the series that races in Le Mans. If you're um, not following what I'm saying, but yeah. So big news being, Ferrari is going to race in the 24 hours of Le Mans for the overall win in 2023, along with big names like Porsche, who's also debuting that year, mm-hmm. and Audi, and Peugeot, joining the regular, uh, or the recently regular Toyota. Mm-hmm. Oh man. So that's at least five major manufacturers. Yeah. Um, cuz Aston Martin's no longer going to be there. They had a they gave up on the Valkyrie project once uh ACO decided to include the LMDH class which is uh the IMSA cars, the the top so it's like Le Mans Daytona hybrid mm-hmm. or whatever. So unfortunately they pulled out because they were like, we didn't agree to this, so, but whatever. I think it's kind of pretty cool. It's just kind of weird that, you know, Ferrari has to develop this crazy road car <laughs> and uh, in order to compete in this hypercar class, and they're going to be racing against Dallara customer cars that are BOP to be able to run with them. So, mm-hmm. But whatever. I'm just happy that there's going to be a, a really fast red thing flashing by. <laughs> it will be cool to see. At and, uh, 3 in the morning in uh, the Mulsanne, so... It'll be the first time Ferrari have gone for the overall win since the 333 SP of the mid-90s. Yeah, which was a customer car as well. Yep. So they're building their own thing. It's been a while since they've built a car for Le Mans. It's going to be freaking awesome. And uh, I don't know about you, but I think I'm going to start learning French. No, I'm going to go <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go to France in 2023. I like Thank you scudia ferrari for making my mind up and solidifying some travel plans because uh as a as in the wise words of sir beavis and butthead we're there no that, they didn't say that they said something like that <laughs> we're there <laughs> cool <laughs> uh, <laughs> i'm gonna butthead my way to france like beavis and butthead do america i'm gonna do lamar we need a Beavis and Butthead sequel. We need another movie. I think <laughs> and Mike Judge has just been having too much fun watching real life play out like his shows do in his movies. So I think hopefully he's uh, hopefully stuff gets boring this did, year so he can get back to writing. Did Mike Judge have um, something to do with Silicon Valley? Yeah, he's a creator and uh, showrunner. Yeah, genius Amazing. show. One of my favorite comedies. If you haven't seen... Silicon Valley, oh my god. I'm jealous of you because you get to watch it again. You get to watch it for the first time, rather. <sighs> so funny. Yep. 
Well, we've got a lot of cool racing stuff to look forward to. You know, both GT Sport as well as Formula One, World Endurance Championship. Uh, you know, so while the world uh, of just consumer electronics or consumer vehicles become more and more just self-driving mm-hmm. and, and electric driven, you know, which is OK and maybe not OK, but tending towards less exciting, safer, more right. boring. Um, it's nice that on the flip side of things in the world of recreational motorsports, things are ramping up and getting right. more exciting again. Recreational motorsports. I really like the way that you put that, actually. And this is the first time I've heard you say that, and I don't know if it was just on a whim or not, but that has a lot of meaning to me because what I was going to continue on from there was the idea that motorsports should finally start tipping toward the idea of them being more of a uh, yeah recreational thing. It's not it's not supposed to be road technology you know being tested in on the racetrack or whatever it's gone past that it's for fun it's it's a recreational thing it's a sport um i think that now that road cars are going to become more boring and and it's going to just be seen as a means of transportation Mm -hmm. we can hopefully see more uh of an evolution toward um more entertaining formats of racing and nascar this year is uh i think a good indicator of that after covid um shook everything up uh, monotony wasn't such a thing anymore because there was no other choice so um there was the virtual racing i think that sobered things up well and then that led into nascar deciding to do more road racing f1 doing crazy one-off races and everyone was inspiring each other to do crazier things and now that led to nascar this year doing a freaking dirt race right yeah (laughs) and so if you haven't heard nascar is going to be doing a dirt race in their schedule that's going to count for points it's and so they're going to cover bristol with dirt and just run a dirt like what the hell that's it's like nascar saw what f1 was doing and they're like we can do way better than that (laughs) here you go we're going to race road america we're going to race circuit of the americas we're going to be we're going to pour dirt on bristol and have a great old time like wow that's awesome i hope more of that i hope it's not too little too late for nascar Right, yeah. <laughs> I hope so too, but we'll see. I don't know. I think Better it's still strong. Never. Right. Yeah. I think uh the way that it's bounced back is big uh showed me that the fans are pretty down. They're they're hardcore. Yeah. And there's room to grow. Um and V eight supercars is gonna you know, it's just funny to me though, like V eight supercars has always been what I would hope an American like I, I it's just ridiculous that the Camaro versus the Mustang is going to happen in, in an Australian racing series because mm-hmm. they're going to race GT3 style cars that are going to debut, I think, next year. Mm-hmm. And they're getting rid of the big, tall, fat, crazy V8 supercars of of the old, they're, and they're gonna, they're going to now get into more of a GT3 series kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And these are all things that can be in Gran Turismo Seven, maybe eight maybe 7.5 who knows but uh the future of the uh, wish lists for gt games is gonna be so juicy yep yeah you know uh if we're thinking about gt7 and how they're going to market it now if it's put off to next year that means that 
um, one can hope that we're now going to get like uh, a, a proper, let's call it full length trailer of GT7 at like E3. Yeah. Something that, that gives us at least like uh, an image of GT World, like the navigation menu. Right. right. So we can see all the different things we can go to and all the different shops and all the different manufacturers, all the different races and licenses and nonsense and at least get an idea for the, the scope of the game, the size of it from there. Um, you know, with with hopefully some uh, I mean, gosh, this will quickly devolve into wish listing, but I just hope that uh, no we're going to get uh, a steady stream of of cool tidbits of what GT7 might be. And although I do hope that they you know, play close to the chest as they need to to make sure that they sell the game enough to warrant that Gran Turismo exists forever, which is what I hope. Um, I also am just uh, selfishly desiring uh, as much as they can feed me. Oh, yeah, me too. I would love that. Um, it's drips and drabs content, a uh, little behind the door. You know, kind of like how Cyberpunk was, um, you know... Although Cyberpunk was a good example of success, but uh, I think that um, the way that they hyped the game up was pretty good. The hype was great. Yeah, totally. As long as GT delivers, unlike they did, uh, it'll be good. Like they'll do, they can do behind closed doors uh, sessions, you know, demos. Let reviewers get some early code for them to run through and tell people about. Give impressions on. Uh, podcasts that they can give the game to test to and stuff like that. Not, not you know, I'm not suggesting anything, but please, please, Kaz. <laughs> yeah, please. I know maybe, you're listening. Nah. Maybe, um, you know, we should have another cast um, around the end of the exhibition season because we'll know the schedule of the official season by then. And uh, with an official season announcement, I bet there will be other announcements yeah. of like maybe we have a firm date of GT7, or maybe we have an announcement that there's going to be a further three or four DLCs for GT Sport, and here's kind of what we have planned. Um, you know that the trickle is uh, that faucet's going to be opened. Um, you know, soon. I'd say within this yeah. next month, we're going to start to hear what's going on. So I'm excited to learn about it and discuss it with you. Me too. And there is also that really cool Discord group of, you know, game breakers and hackers. I forget. I've never, I think I'm on there, but I haven't checked in on it in a long time. But anyway, it's like a Discord group full of people that love to break into the update files for Gran Turismo mm -hmm. and see what code's been snuck in in various ways, forms. Mm -hmm. um, like, for instance, they saw that Daytona was put into the game sneakily somehow um and it's not nothing like the you know it's just like words inside the code it's yeah. not like it, it could just be something as if that's server side but it needs to be in the update for like gt sport to see it so it, what's being implied there those people are saying that um gt sport is very close you know, like gt7 is pretty much gt sport just enhanced mm -hmm. so that they're using gt sport as a way to test some you know implement some things for seven so you never oh, I'm know sure. I mean, i'm sure yeah daytona could just show up it could be game ready pretty quickly if they wanted to just do so i would imagine so and i imagine that all the car models are of a high enough um i mean i know this for a fact that uh in terms of the number of polygons 
Mm-hmm. They they are simplified for GT Sport, and they could be even more finely detailed based on the data they already have from all the cards they've already scanned. So Gran Turismo Seven is just going to be like all all that GT Sport has uh, turned to eleven. You know, in, in terms of uh, number of polygons, uh, the resolution of textures, the performance of anti anti aliasing, draw distance, all that kind of stuff. And I'm fine with that. I'm totally Amazing. fine with that. If that if that is just the same graphics engine simply scaled up, that tells me that it's going to be uh, much more likely to be properly optimized than if they were starting from scratch. True. Good point there, too. Yeah. There is a lot to look forward to um, this year, even though it's going to feel like it's going to be a long time to seven. Um, I think there'll be plenty of updates along the way yeah. and uh, interesting turns and twists so stay tuned for sure keep those sleep belts on and get your car wash button hands ready save up those credits for the oil change you'll be using them in no time absolutely uh and uh yeah hop on gt sport and check out what's going on with that so if it's been a while if you've been if you've maybe switched to warzone mm-hmm. uh delete it totally <laughs> yeah and hop on to uh to twitch and youtube um, the Twitch Gran Turismo streaming community is growing every day. Yeah. Um, and we've got a ton of people on there. Like, obviously, myself, Cyrus, Randall. Uh, I think Lloyd's is getting onto a Twitch account. Um, we've got, like... Erky. Uh, Erky, Slushy, awesome. uh, Hako. Uh, Lester has been on there for a long time. Yeah, Lester's always there. Yeah, um, sure. I'm sure I'm forgetting other names that I watch a lot, oh. but, like, tons of people. And the viewership's always growing, and we've got uh, a great chat community um among all of us and we're always like rating each other when we're done Mm -hmm. um to kind of just keep it going um so we uh i hope that you guys uh check us out and and tune in um and you're gonna be in store uh what we have in store is some great racing um it's uh you know it's gonna be cutthroat when we're out there oh yeah Uh, but also like as respectful as it possibly can be um i know that's going to be my mo um so hopefully any other way hopefully we can deliver some entertainment I think so. And uh, that's an important point there. It's up to us to keep the GT community alive and kicking and uh, continuing and off into the future. Uh, you know, if, although the game doesn't always go in the direction that everyone likes, I think we can all have fun with it at the end of the, at the, end of the day and uh, just hop on and support each other in any way we can. So thank you for listening to this podcast mm-hmm. so far. Well, uh, thank you for being my my partner in this endeavor of yeah. you know not sweating us and yeah. uh yeah i'm uh i'm uh, i'm really proud of you for how you've recovered with your um uh injury to your Thanks, achilles tendon like oh, uh yeah. you guys uh eddie sent me a video uh, a few days ago of him balancing on uh what is what is that like balance rope called it's a slack line. It's slack just line. like a like one of those um it's hard to describe. You just Google slack lining. It's just like a thin st- uh, ribbon of like uh polyester like stuff they used to to tie down like tr- semi trailer load things. You'll see what it is, but it's like a one and a half inch wide piece of fabric that is stretched between two poles and 
I was finally, I was getting pretty good at it before I had that accident. And uh, I, I've just been thinking about it for so long, just wanting to get back up on there and having nightmares of my, you know, leg just giving out as soon as I got on. Mm-hmm. But uh, turns out I got, I tried it out. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to get on it. I feel kind of, kind of strong. I still have a few months before I get back to you know, close to normal. But um, I got on top, I got up there balanced and I was like, this feels good. I'm just going to go for it. And I had my girlfriend record me and I was able to get all the way across pretty much. And it felt amazing. And I had to share it instantly with my loved ones. And uh, yeah, it was really cool seeing their reactions. And like Tristan was saying, like that he forgot that I was in, even injured. So I was like, dude, that's an ultimate compliment. That's super cool. <laughs> yeah, it took me a second to realize like, you know, the, the, uh, uh, the gravity of uh you know what that video meant um and dude it's like if i can offer you a metaphor it's like you took this injury slapped it around called it names threw it up in the air and then <laughs> drop kicked it and watch it sail it over like the left field fence um oh yeah you know you've uh, you've gone from having basically no use of one foot to having like a, a full return of use of the foot with fine motor control and balance uh you know on this on this uh balance strip which is ridiculous, you know, for anyone who has, knows anything about muscle physiology to regain that fine motor control um, is exceptional, especially in the short amount of time you've done it. So kudos to you, dude. Thank you. Yeah, and, and I hope it inspires others that are going through injuries to stay strong, uh, do all of your you know, rehab, uh, take it seriously. And uh, yeah, like you can really surprise yourself with how quickly your recovery can come back. And uh, it's always, obviously, it has its, um, by the ways, the caveats, so to speak. And that is, for me, I still have to develop a lot of my uh, calf muscle strength and tendon strength overall. It's a, you know, tendons take a long time to heal. They don't get much blood flow, and that's why it takes so long to heal. So um, I'm just, you know, I was working on everything that I could besides that, because obviously, if I try to speed that up too much, it'll just hurt it. So I... Uh, and if, as a side, I was like, I'm going to work on all my motor, fine motor controls, like Tristan said. So I've been doing a lot of therapy band stuff and ankle mobility things and hitting therapy really hard. So, yeah, that led to being able to do that, um, you know, like high wire act thing pretty much. And I just love that I can continue to go back at that thing and, and get better. And, yeah, it just feels great. Super cool. Totally. I'm back, guys, somewhat. <laughs> and uh, iRacing helped me also gain a lot of confidence as well. And so, and now, as a result of the, both those things, so do I also go into, um, so will I also go into GT Sport with confidence. So, yeah. It's great it's, to hear. Yeah. Well, my dude, um, I'm going to catch you and all you listeners in, uh, you know, maybe just a few weeks' time, if not, if not less than that. Yeah. Um, and, uh so allow me an opportunity uh, from your boy Road Beef uh, to thank you for uh, tuning in, and thank you, my partner, my GT bro Eddie, Big for thanks. you know providing the the vocal sexiness and uh, and the technical acumen to uh, put together um, this awesome show. Um, and I look forward to our next uh, our next conversations, my dude. We're gonna have so much to talk about; it's ridiculous. It means the world to me, Chris, bro. And yeah. Love you, and we will talk soon about lots more of exciting things. Thanks to all of you for listening and sticking around with us going into this new year, uh, 2021. 
going to be exciting. Going to feel, yeah, like even more tight knit. So keep being awesome. We'll catch you on the flip side. See you on the track, hopefully. Uh, feel free to reach out whenever you want. And uh, that's me, Wardez, signing off. Thanks, T. Peace out, everybody. Peace out. Tweak those nipples. Take it easy. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was. I thought that was an order. Okay. <laughs> Good night, everybody. It is. Damn it. <laughs> no, it ain't the same. Being a man today. No, it ain't the same. No, it ain't the same. Being a man today. No, it ain't the same. Waking up to this disarray This uncertain, this only seems to serve the misery May a place on me, my dead take from me All of this bullshit, I do not need it I believe in magic, because I've seen it Nothing you, the ego, you know, already how it goes I've got a strong man, strong girl From my head to my toe, back to my ego These earthly habits, they got to get going I let go of desires I truly let go of the fires that burn them and fuel them It's so hard to be human With a battle in mind I have lost all devotion over time I'm on a path of remembrance And I'm remembering fine I've been nothing that's mine Only borrowing time, my kind Cutting to God, unworthy of his tie I am. With all these doubts in my mind Trying to cross the side Left to struggle in my right eye no, it ain't the same Being a man today No, it ain't the same No, it ain't the same Battles dwell like city kids beneath the poverty line I'm feeding my senses Food for thought is money well spent it Cause most of our so-called knowledge is rented Invented the pens on flippant friends Social scenarios holler like Cheerios You hear me though? Never thought I'd be coming out your stereo But there we go, I'm at the It's retaining now Now I'm the same Being a man today Now I'm the same